0: Welcome to the Feather Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome, everyone, to the Feather Desert. I felt it was about time we talked about the largest bird in Arizona, actually, the largest bird in North America the California condor. So this podcast episode is titled California Condor Giants of the Sky. Good title. Thank you. Now, of course, this is not a bird we will be attracting to our backyard through (laughs) any kind of bird (laughs) feeding. (laughs) Please do not do that. But it is one amazing bird that I think we can all appreciate. Cheryl's going to start us off with what this condor looks like. Yes.
1: So the condor uh, has... um, they, they have a flight featherless head and neck that is pink to orange in color. Huh. Pink to orange. Juveniles have grayish blackheads. The skin on the head of the adults will turn a deep red pink during breeding season or during times of alarm. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Their beak is black and hooked at the end. The majority of their feathers are black with large white wing patches that have that can be seen in flight. Their legs and feet are large and gray with small black claws. They come in a height of just about four feet tall. oh my gosh yeah, that's <laughs> a small <pretty> child tall. <laughs> When standing with a nine foot wingspan in flight, they can weigh up to 25 pounds. that's a heavy bird. yeah. These are large birds although based on wingspan they don't even make it to the top 10 largest in the world. oh my goodness but they are the largest land birds in North America. And I know you're going to ask, the largest flight bird based on wingspan is the wandering albatross with a 12-foot wingspan, and the largest bird in the world is the ostrich. I knew that, but I didn't know the albatross had a larger wingspan.
0: Yes, they do. Well, the wandering albatross we really don't know what they do when they're not breeding because they're pretty much on the wing. Yeah. Mm. In the middle of the ocean. So we kind of think that they spend like 75% of their life on the wing. So you have a really big wingspan so you can just toodle around out there. So another question that I get a lot, especially when I was working in the zoo industry is what exactly is a condor? Now the California condor is in family Cathar today. Their scientific name is Gymnogyps californianus.
1: So glad you said that.
0: (laughs) I put this one for myself. Uh, Gymnogyps is actually Greek from the word gymnos, meaning naked, and gyps, G-Y-P-S, meaning vulture. Californianus is Latin and refers to the bird's range, which, if you can't imply that from californianus, means they're found in California. The word condor comes from contour, C-U-N-T-U-R, which is the Inca name for the Andean condor. So the Cathartidae family contains the New World vultures. So yes, the California condor is technically a vulture. Okay, so I have a question. Yes.
1: So are the California condor and the Andean condor, are they basically the same bird except for the range? No.
0: Is there size differences? There's a huge size difference. The Andean condor is much larger, and they cannot interbreed. So they are different species altogether. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this, um, so being a vulture, this means that they do eat carrion or dead animals as their main diet. They prefer larger animals such as deer, elk, pigs, sea lions, whales, and even domestic cattle. I mean, when you're four foot tall and have a nine foot wingspan, (laughs) you're not eating mice every day. So, and the fact that they do like domestic cattle is what got them into trouble with ranchers and essentially what put them on the endangered species list. Since they're such large birds, when people saw them out in a pasture on a dead cattle carcass, they thought, incorrectly, that the condor had killed the cow and then began to eat it. When in reality, they were only attracted to the cow after it was dead. So just like other vultures, they are the cleanup crew of the planet. Keeping dead animals from rotting in the environment helps contain the spread of disease. So the condor's job is extremely important to the health of the environment which, by the way, includes us. So when a condor comes across a food source, they will gorge themselves on the carcass because they never know when they're going to find food again. It's not like animals are dropping dead every two feet out there. And a lot of times when an animal is feeling sick, and they hide themselves. So you're not always going to be easily finding a carcass. So they gorge themselves, and they can actually hold up to three pounds of meat in their crop. That's a wow. lot of meat. It is. <laughs> Which can help them survive from, up, from one to two weeks before they need to find food again.
1: So how do they find food, you ask? I have the answer. <laughs> California condors are considered soaring birds. Their large flight muscles are not anchored to a correspondingly large sternum. And this limits them to mainly soaring. This means that once they I'm so glad that uh, now we're gonna have the explanation because the question mark, did you see it? <laughs> this means that once they are in the air, they catch the warm thermals with their vast wingspan and do not need to flap their wings to stay aloft. They tend to perch on high outcroppings so that they can open their wings and catch the wind with as little flapping as possible. When it is cold, a cold, windless day, they are restricted to their perches. Huh? So because they don't flap their wings because they don't have anything. They don't have the flight muscles anchor, anchored.
0: Right. The flight muscles are really big flight muscles, but they're not anchored to a really large sternum, which would give them that, um, like that struggle. leverage. Yeah, yeah. To so actually right. be able to flap. Okay. So they they're just practically incapable of it.
1: Soaring allows them to search wide swaths of land for food without using a lot of energy. They mainly find their food through sight. Unlike their cousins, the turkey vulture, they do not have a keen sense of smell. That's interesting. Once they have spotted an appropriate carcass, they use their hooked beaks to tear it into small pieces enough to swallow. They use their large, heavy feet to help hold the carcass down. And when other scavengers are around, they give way to the California condor because of their large size, with the exception of golden eagles. California condors get out of their way because of their large, powerful talents. Yes, I was just I was just running that through my head. Yeah. Because they do have they don't use their feet.
0: Mm-mm. They just so use it to hold them down. Yeah. Their, they stand so, on it. Their yeah.
1: defense or their size is what's intimidating. That's how they yeah. get around um they don't have to be assertive necessarily. Yeah. They just
0: fly in. And most yes. other birds, like of course, turkey vultures, black vultures are gonna scatter away. And then even some mammals, like if there's foxes or something on a carcass, then they scatter away too, because it's a very large bird. If they and if they were to give you a nip with that beak, they yeah. could take a good chunk out of you. I think a coyote would too back away. I would think so too, depending on his age, maybe. So what happens during breeding season? That's incredibly important to population numbers. So California condors will actually reach sexual maturity at the age of six. That's quite a ways into their life. Considering our small little verdan mm-hmm. here that is like the, can fit in the, the palm of your hand, they reach sexual maturity at like six months. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are six years. And that is when they will begin looking for a mate. So to attract a mate, the male will actually puff up his neck feathers and redden the skin on his head. He will then open his wings and hold them out as he slowly approaches a female. Now, they're on the ground while he's doing this. If she accepts him by lowering her head, they will mate, and they will seal their lifelong pair bond. The courtship may also continue in the air with the couple flying in tandem. The female will lay one egg, one, in a cave near a cliff or on a cliffside with a little ledge, Um, with nearby trees and open spaces for easy landing. There is no discernible nest made. They don't make a nest. The female just lays the egg right on the ground. The egg is a light bluish white color and is about four and a quarter inches in length and two and five eighths inches wide, which is a lot smaller than I expected to be, honestly. Yes, I was just going to say that. That fits in the size of my hand. And I thought it would be bigger, but not. And the egg will also weigh about 280 grams which is a pretty good wait for an egg. Uh, eggs are laid as early as January to as late as April. Both parents will share incubation duties, which last almost two months. It's a very long incubation period. The parents will bring food to the nest for five to six months until the chicks are able to fly. Then the offspring will commonly stay with their parents for almost two years. Wow. Yep, and then this is why they only will lay eggs every other year. Because they're still taking care of their young to ensure their uh, survival. So, two questions. (laughs) Um, Is the female larger than the male? Um, There was no indication of that. I know in turkey vultures um, it can be that way, but none of the um, information that I looked up indicated that the, the males or females are markedly larger or smaller than... That's a large egg. It is a large egg. I mean, for a bird... Yeah. And how do the young ones learn how to fly if they can't flap their wings? Um, Well, I guess they can to the point, but it's one of the... They can obviously flap a little bit, but they're not going to be... Out there, flapping a whole lot to get across, like, like the like Grand watch, Canyon.
1: Yeah, like we watch some of the other raptors practice. Yes, you know, wing so, sizing as they call Yes,
0: it. they do that um, to build up the flight muscles. But that's one of the reasons that they have their nests like on a, a cliffside. So that all they do, I mean, they're going to watch mom and dad. And what mom and dad do is open their wings and they fall. <laughs> and then they catch the air. So that's what they're going to do as well. And there is, of course, some flapping initially and then when you're landing, but not a whole lot. They don't rely on the flapping like some of our little songbirds, like our finches. They have yeah. such a flap when they fly. They flap a lot. These guys don't rely on that. Okay.
1: All right. So where are these amazing birds found? California condors are currently found in only three places in North America. The arid, fil- the arid foothills of Southern California near Big Sur, a small area in northern Baja, Mexico, and the border of northern Arizona and southern Utah in the Grand Canyon area. Historically, they were found all across North America, from California to Florida and the western Canada to Mexico. Wow. Illegal shooting due to misunderstanding their behaviors, as mentioned above, and lead poisoning from eating carcasses riddled with lead bullets fragments was the cause of their decline. By 1967, they were listed as an endangered species by the federal government, and by 1982, there were only 23 individuals left alive worldwide. This included captive and wild condors. In 1987, we made the very tough decision to capture all those left in the wild, approximately 17 individuals. Wow, that's quite That's quite a drop. Yeah. Um, And keep them all in captivity. This began the California condor recovery program.
0: Yes. So this program was a bit controversial in the beginning. There are actually two sides argued about how much intervention we should provide. One side said none at all. Just let the condors be free and let whatever happens happen. But even if that is extinction... The other side said we need to keep them alive at any cost, even if that means they survive in captivity only, since we were the ones who led them to near extinction. The goal of the California Condor Recovery Program was officially approved. Sorry, the program was officially approved in 1987, and the goal of that program was to establish two geographically separate breeding populations one in California and one in Arizona. The hopes were that each site would have at least 150 individuals and that would include 15 breeding pairs. So the captive breeding program was approved and it was on its way to accomplish that goal. So the captive breeding program was slow going at first due to the mating habits of the condors. Just as we said before, they need to have space and the ability to fly to successfully choose mates. And that was not something that could be provided in a captive situation. But with some patience, things got moving. In the wild, if a couple loses an egg, they will actually lay another egg. This is called double clutching. So the captive breeding program used this to their advantage by removing the first egg from the nest and sending it to be raised by humans, while the mated condors laid a second egg that they would raise themselves. The chicks raised by the humans would be exposed to puppets made to look just like adult condors to keep them from imprinting on humans because the whole goal of the captive breeding program was to release these animals back into the wild. And you certainly cannot release a four foot bird (laughs) that likes that (laughs) is imprinted on people and will um, go to them for food back into the wild. That would be a big mistake. So in 1991 and 1992, California condors were released back into the wild at Big Sur Pinnacles national park and Bitter Creek national wildlife refuge in 1996, more were released at the Vermilion Cliffs in Arizona near the Grand Canyon. And in 2003, the first chick fledged in the wild since 1981. I think that that's amazing. That
1: just makes me excited.
0: With the success of reintroduction in California and Arizona, a site in Mexico was chosen near Baja, California, Mexico. In 2007, a California condor laid an egg in Mexico for the first time since the 1980s 30s this gives me chills it it's does really,
1: it's really cool
0: it's amazing so in 2010 the california wild population was 100 individuals with 73 individuals in arizona a milestone was reached in 2015 when more condors were hatched in the wild than ones that died in 2021 the total world population of california condors was 537 with 203 in captivity and 334 flying free in the wild Wow. Yeah. How
1: awesome is that?
0: Absolutely the coolest thing ever.
1: So what can we keep doing to help California condors? The biggest threat to these majestic birds now is lead poisoning from lead bullets. What happens is that when hunters hunting in the condors' territory kill animals with lead bullets and do not retrieve the entire carcass, condors will eat their will do their jobs and end up consuming fragments of the lead bullets still in the carcass, so please use non-lead ammunition when hunting in the condor's territory. This type of ammunition is readily available. In 2008, the Ridley Tree Condor Preservation Act was passed, which requires the use of non-lead bullets by hunters hunting in the condor's territory, and it seems to be helping. The levels of lead in blood Blood tested by scientists and resident birds has gone down. Another thing we can do is when we go camping to be clean. Taking all your trash with you when you leave, small bits of plastic glass and metal have also been found in the stomach of some dead condors.
0: I think those are pretty easy little things to do. Yes,
1: those are two things that we certainly can do.
0: Yeah. Yes. So the California condor is an amazing conservation success story, and we are so, so, so lucky to have this awe-inspiring bird in our state of Arizona. So when we put our minds to it, we can definitely make a positive difference in the world around us, and the California condor is it's one proof. of those great examples. Yes. yes.